United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Dan Markey is senior expert for South Asia programs at the United States Institute of Peace. Here to talk a little quad. Dan, good morning. Good morning. Really great to have you. So U.S., India, Japan, Australia, big sit down, a lot happening. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, last Late last week, uh, you had the prime ministers from, from all three, from Japan, from Australia, from India, come and see, uh, be hosted by President Biden at the White House. This is the first time that they've all come together in person. They had a virtual summit last March. And uh, I think listeners are going to have to start getting used to the the idea of the Quad, uh, this group of four in the Indo-Pacific, they describe themselves as maritime democracies uh, and having shared values. Uh, and all of them are, in a sense, and the, the whole idea is, in a sense, a, a kind of a counterweight, counterbalance uh, to China in that part of the world. Um, but instead of being principally a military-oriented organization, uh, the Quad seems to be shaping up as, as something that, that's going to focus on sort of more positive ventures, things like vaccine diplomacy, uh, climate change, other technologies, education. So they're, they're focusing on what they describe as a, a positive agenda and not really spending all that much time talking directly about China, even though that's sort of the elephant in the room. Of course, their meeting comes right after the somewhat disastrous pullout from Afghanistan. Was that featured in their discussions, Dan? Well, they definitely talked about it. They talked about concerns about terrorism uh, coming from that. Uh, this this was also a big week uh, because in addition to the, the Quad meeting, you had the meetings up at the UN, uh, and Prime Minister Modi of India had a separate bilateral meeting uh, with, with President Biden. And I'm sure that Afghanistan featured in that meeting because India in particular is really worried about what's going to happen in Afghanistan now. If you go back to the 90s, they suffered a lot of uh, terrorism emanating from Afghanistan inside of India. They're worried about reverting back to that. uh, And they want to know what the United States is going to do to to help them out. Well, and Australia had quite a problem with... um... Afghan refugees and and would-be immigrants who wanted to come to their country. They really struggled with it, and it actually became a bit of a humanitarian crisis for them. Absolutely. Uh, And, of course, they might not be alone. Um, You know, the direction that Afghanistan is going is is difficult to say, but uh, it's quite possible that we'll see a descent back into something that looks more like civil war, uh, in which case you could have literally millions of refugees. And that'll hit Afghanistan's nearby neighbors most, but you're right, others from Europe and as far as Australia uh, will will feel the consequences. So, uh, so did they get anything meaningful done? Yeah, I think they did. Look, I think, um, again, the, the biggest thing is the fact that they came together for the first time and that they're establishing kind of what uh, what the White House describes as habits of cooperation, particularly with India, which is a little bit different. The other two countries are ones that the United States, you know, does have longstanding uh, treaty relationships with um, alliances as partner to, you know, across a lot of different areas. So coming together as four is unusual. And they made a pledge that they'll do so annually at the leader level, which means 
um, you know, aside from just having meetings somewhere, uh, it means that they will produce deliverables uh, on an annual cycle and that they have literally hundreds of people who are dedicated uh, in, you know, around in each of these capitals to making sure that their leaders have something interesting to deliver. So, you know, this time a lot of focus back on um, vaccines, on President Biden's promise of uh, a billion vaccines, uh, and many of those will be manufactured in India. And this is meaningful because India has suffered tremendously from the Delta wave uh, of COVID, uh, which meant that it was unable to produce the kind of vaccines that it had promised back when they last met virtually last March. Uh, but they say they're going to get going again, and in the next month or so, they'll they'll be back up to speed uh, exporting those vaccines. So this is tangible. Uh, one other thing I'd point out is they they pledged to have a, um, a a partnership on education and on funding 100 uh, scholars each year to come to the United States in higher education, in science and technology. From each of these countries, about 25 uh, students. And though that may sound relatively small, uh, it, it hits directly at this positive agenda uh, and one that focuses on sort of a forward-looking, technology-oriented type of future uh, and, in a way, is a, is a subtle uh, or not-so-subtle criticism of China. Of course, mm -hmm. China sends tons of students to the United States, and this is, this is a way to kind of rebalance some of that. And Dan, you had said that uh, there was a little bit of a different situation with India. Did it have to do with Delta and the vaccines or was there some other reason for the asterisk? Uh, well, so India is different for not being a treaty ally of the United States. It is different uh, for having had historically a number of concerns about um, doing anything that would make China uncomfortable. Now, this has changed in recent years because India and China have had a border skirmish uh, and India's views and certainly uh, official Indian views about China are very negative right now. So I think they've been more forthcoming, but they did not want to have a military alliance or see this quad grouping really focused principally on military. And I would contrast that with the Australians who just the week before uh, agreed to a major new um, defense oriented alliance with the United States that focuses on the development of nuclear submarine technologies for Australia, which will sort of rebalance their their uh, effort with the Chinese in the Indo-Pacific and give them a tool that's really unusual. You know, it's the kind of thing the United States has only shared with the UK um, and put them in a special, a new special partnership. Well, India is not interested in that. That makes them a bit different. And uh, and what what are you learning about this still newish Japanese prime minister, Suga? Well, I, I mean, he's not he's not much longer for the war for the for the Japanese political scene. But he um, I think that what Japan brought to this uh, this gathering is uh, financial heft. And one of the other areas I didn't mention yet was uh, that they agreed to move forward on an infrastructure uh, a partnership. And Japan will be the principal infrastructure funder. And of course, this, too, is a balance against or uh, a way to, to think differently about infrastructure than the way that the Chinese have. The Chinese have their uh, much ballyhooed uh, Belt and Road Initiative, where they've pledged and delivered billions of dollars around the world, particularly in Asia, mm. to build out physical infrastructure. Well, the Japanese want to do something similar, but they focus on high-quality infrastructure uh, and working through uh, more normalized um, institutions and so on to combat things like corruption 
and they're focusing now on green infrastructure, particularly port infrastructure. So these are the kinds of things that Japan can do uh, that the other countries are doing a bit less of, and then they can fill in around the margins. You also mentioned some progress on semiconductor chips, which is a big concern here in the U.S. Absolutely. Well, all of them are worried about at least a couple of things when it comes to chips and other related supply chain issues. Uh, One is the question of security having to do with securing them against something that that may be, uh, say, a backdoor installed if they're they're manufactured in China or um, or maybe having an inability to access uh, key technologies when they need them because the Chinese are withholding. Um, so these are the kinds of things. And the other is, is simply resilience. That is, in, you know, in the times of COVID, we've obviously seen all kinds of supply chain disruptions, and they want to try to push back against that. So they've pledged to work more closely together, uh, possibly to shift where some of this manufacturing takes place, uh, potentially to India, which would really like to see that, and away from, uh, from China, uh, which would be meaningful over time, although it'll take a little time to get back up to speed. Dan Markey is Senior Expert for South Asia Programs at the United States Institute of Peace. Dan, thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.